You've survived another week. This week on show number 183, how to talk about guns with your missus or your mister. How to survive these crappy times. Review number four, the six-hour P239 semi-automatic pistol. Let's take a ride on a magic carpet. Originally done by Steppenwolf. Zombie strike number 43. All this and a whole lot extra coming up next on your favorite righteous podcast, The Urban Shooter. Crossbreedholsters.com presents... Urban Shooter Podcast, the weekly pro-gun variety show featuring the internationally known black man with a gun, your friend and brother from a different mother, Ken Blanchard. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter. If you're new, this is the pro-gun variety show that features news, interviews, and how-tos, and even some encouragement every once in a while. I'm your fun-loving, zombie-shooting, Harley-riding, inspirational Christian pastor that encourages the family and all pro-gun people. What's going on with you? So glad you came back. And if this is your first time, you can send me a note to say hello at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com or ken at urbanshooterpodcast.com. My toll-free number that you can call and leave a review, a comment, or anything is 888-675-0202. I'd be glad to hear from you. We're going to start off with a national anthem from Lucas Hogue. Can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we Twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars Through the perilous night O'er the ramparts we watched Were so gallantly Before we get started, I want to talk about something real quick. You know, today is another day, but it's different. You know why? It's the only day like today that will ever be. Not sure how you woke up this morning, whether it was on the right or the wrong side of the bed, but I'd like to share something with you before we go any further. I'm all over the map sometimes in my thinking. I feel like I have to get as much done before the sun sets because tomorrow is not promised. 
I got a zeal for life because I've almost lost it many times. If you're feeling like the world is taking a dump on you right now, let's do an equipment check before you go back into the world. Look down for a minute. Can you see your feet? Are you standing or sitting? If you're driving, don't look away from the road. If you can, though, wiggle your toes. If you can, be thankful. I passed by some wounded warriors earlier and they had lost some limbs. If you have all your parts working below the waist and above it, be thankful. If you have the use of your limbs, be thankful. I could go even further with you, but if you have at least one arm, one eye, one ear, be thankful. If you have a roof over your head, a safe place to sleep tonight, be thankful. If you have at least one person that you can call a friend, be thankful. I'm here, by the way, so you have at least two. Every now and then, I need to do this myself. I need to reflect, remember, and take inventory of the blessings that I have. When things are given to us over and over We start taking them for granted and we forget about being appreciative of what we have received. Now, you can overcome this tendency by dedicating some time daily, just like right now, to be thankful for what you have. Try not to compare yourself with anybody else. It's not a matter of comparison. But think for a second about the millions of people who are not as blessed as you are, who don't have what you have, or are simply in a worse condition than you. Realize that you could easily not have had all the things that you do have. I was cruising down the highway and a whole bunch of younger guys buzzed by me on those big crotch rockets. I didn't get mad or even thought about it much. Life is like that. People pass by us every day going in the same direction. Some are smarter, some are not. Some are better, some are not. Some are better looking, some are not. Some are faster, some just a little faster than us, but all going in the same direction. We have to all remember that the most important thing is to enjoy the ride. Enjoy the journey. They say that people with a strong sense of gratitude, love, and appreciation don't necessarily have more than others. They just simply recognize and see more beauty in their lives. As crazy as this podcast is, I want you to be happier. People who count their blessings are generally happier and healthier than people who don't. If you ever feel as if anything in your life just isn't enough, try practicing an attitude of thankfulness. You might realize how good you have it after all. Now, if you're too busy dwelling on the past or thinking about the future, you won't be able to fully notice how fantastic things are right now. Plus, Thinking about the past and future opens the door to comparison, which is the only way you can perceive something as not being good enough. What you have now is all that exists. And comparing that to something that doesn't exist anymore or not yet is an easy way to make yourself nuts. So, when you're feeling grateful, your mind is clear, and therefore you have access to the greatest wisdom and common sense. You see the whole big picture. Not sure who among my listening family needed to hear that right now, but uh, if it's you, cool. If not, maybe you can pass it on to somebody who's looking kind of funny right now. 
If the only prayer you ever say in your life is thank you, it will be enough. Hey, for those who have followed me in my escapades at church, you know it's been a rough road for me. But this week, Mother Thomas turns 100 years old in my church, and she is the oldest person I've ever met or known. Truth be told, she is my biggest fan at church. And almost two years before I was even called as pastor, she professed aloud that I was her pastor. And when I was ordained, she was right there front. When I was installed as pastor two years ago, she was right there. When I first got there and the others were murmuring about me, how I was not a seminary graduate, how I was a relatively unknown in the Baptist community, how I was involved in the gun world, how I rode a Harley. She shut up the whole church when she told them that she used to ride a, on the back of a Harley when she was younger. And then later, when her granddaughter had to move her out of her own home to take care of her, the granddaughter confessed to me in private that, you know, grandmother had a revolver in the seat cushions of her room. That's my girl. And she always breaks the silence of our little church with an amen before anybody else. She has made my journey there more pleasurable. In fact, things are getting better at the little church. So if I haven't told you in a while, it's getting a little bit better. We aren't growing physically, but the mean people don't come to church that often. And our worship has been full. It's been enjoyable to be in the church for once. And things are getting better. Just thought I'd share that with you. Little part of my life that has nothing to do with this podcast, but you're a part of my life, so I wanted to let you know that. Thanks. All right, last week I waxed paternal about God. All right, last week I waxed paternal about guns and children. This week, I round up the equation with some suggestions on how to talk to your spouse about your love of guns, desire to have them in the home, and the need for him or her to be familiar with them for safety and family security. It's always about love on the urban shooter. And we'll get to it right after this station break. The Minister of Defense, the pastor of Paladins, Patriots, and Pistoleros will be right back after these commercials. What do I use at the shotgun range? Federal premium ammunition, because every shot counts. I'm going to Hollywood, baby, and I want you with me. Saturday, October 9th, 2010, at the Triple B Clay's Shotgun Sporting Park in El Monte, California. The benefit, City of Hope Marrow Donor Program. For nearly 100 years, City of Hope's pioneering research has brought the world closer to cures for many life-threatening diseases, from cancer to diabetes. For many people, the City of Hope is where hope begins. A starburst of A-listers join forces to benefit the City of Hope Marrow Donor Program at the 2010 Hollywood Shotgun Sporting Clays Invitational. Triple B Shotgun Sporting Park is the backdrop for this star-studded competition on Saturday, October 9th in Los Angeles, California. So join me, your friend and brother from a different mother, Ken Blanchard, at this star-studded Hollywood Shotgun Invitational, Saturday, October 9th, 2010, to benefit the City of Hope Bone Marrow Donor Program. For details and tickets, visit HollywoodSportClays.com. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, 
pinched and gouged while carrying concealed. The SuperTuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget crossbreedholsters.com. And now, back to the man who's packing more than a browning. Talking about guns. How do you introduce a firearm to your home for the first time? How do you get your spouse over to our side? How do you bring up the gun issue after she's already told you how much she hates guns? Well, let's begin. First, a disclaimer. Your friend and brother from a different mother has made more mistakes than the law should allow. I've screwed up or messed up more relationships than most men my age, but in the interim, I've learned a few things. The following information is for entertainment purposes only. If it doesn't work for you, it might not be your fault. You know, people make everything difficult. We come with an assortment of variables that can't be covered in one show. So, with that said, how do you introduce a firearm into your home for the first time? How do you get your spouse over to our side? How do you bring up the gun issue after she's already told you how much she hates guns? Drum roll, please. You get it with CPR. That's communication, patience, and respect. Now, I have to warn you, this method might also get you a home-cooked meal, a back rub, and some wanted excess to her silky underwear. Unfortunately, this first C is huge. Brothers never get past it. Communication. Let me help you with that. Communication is what? It's a two-way conversation. It's listening. It's discussion. It's waiting till points are made and not yours. It's listening to the questions and the opposition. It's a sale, but one where, one, you are on the same side, or you should be. Two, have time to whittle down the opposition, so don't rush this thing. And three, will benefit from the exchange. Now, sometimes, all you have to do is be honest and direct about what you want, and bam, no problem. But most of the time, you must do more. First, don't make heaven to explain a task, something you hate. You know we're nicer to strangers sometimes than we are to our spouses. Watch that. Pour on the charm and keep it on. Don't take them for granted, even if you've been married for 20 years. Respect your spouses. Now, you know Aretha got famous singing R-E-S-P-E-C-T, and a little kid with an AK in Somalia or a Glock in Baltimore will kill you for disrespect. So it's really, really, really important. Respect. Respect your spouse's opinions, knowledge, and wherever she is right now in the gun argument. Yeah. Just like that. Patience. Rome wasn't built in a day. Don't rush the cake in the oven. And don't rush this. Unlike sex, take your time and do it right. Now, I know I'm stepping on your toes. You don't have to agree with me right now. It's tight, but it's right. So a quick recap. How do you get all this stuff happening? Make your desire known. Listen for the reasons she opposes, if there's any. Be patient, because this may take more than a day or one conversation. Over time, address all the reasons you have to get that gun, bring it into the house, etc. But do it with love, sensitivity, and patience. And here's the secret. You are already a winner. If she marries your sorry butt, 
She is willing to go along with your desires as long as you can treat her as a partner, as a friend, as a lover, and a confidant. You have the key, but it's up to you to open the door. You know, sometimes the opposition is fear, and the media kind of jars that up. The last movie she saw, someone she respects gave her some bad info, past events, personal tragedy, or, if you're lucky, just a lack of knowledge. If it's deeper than knowledge and involves a loss of life from a family member or a friend, you might be stuck for a while. And even that can be resolved over time. My father taught me that a little water can split rock and even move land over time. So how do you introduce a firearm into your home for the first time? How do you get your spouse over to our side? How do you bring the gun issue up after she's already told you how much she hates guns? Drum roll again, please. With CPR, communication, patience, and respect. Now, I know one brother who asked me, he said, hey, my wife said the pistols were cool, but the rifles and the shotguns, she didn't want them in the house. Well, one of the things you might want to do is you got to make sure that she understands the difference, the safety, the training. Give her all the options and try to um, see where she's at, see what made her come up to those conclusions. And then just be patient, respect her opinion, and work that thing out. Just let it take a while. I mean, it's not going to get it done tomorrow, but work it. Work it slow. Slower the better. Then let me know how it turns out for you. If you got any questions or comments or you totally disagree with my CPR method, hey, I'm up for it. Shoot me a note. Give me a call. Blackmanwithagun at gmail.com or Ken at urbanshooterpodcast.com or call me at 888-675-0202 and say, hey, man, this stuff don't work. My wife is X. My husband ain't listening to me, blah, blah, blah. Then we can try something else. But I guarantee it, it'll work for somebody. Work for me. Communication, patience, and respect. Even my dog likes it, and she's all up in here trying to get into the microphone. Like that drum thing. Let me grab that thing back. Let's get funky. Yeah. It's funky. Ain't it funky? It's funky. Ain't it funky? Hit it and quit. Ain't it funky? One, two, three, four. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking about it. Let's bring in my sister Barbara for her tip of the week from Women Outdoor News. Hey, Urban Shooter, this is Barbara Baird, Women's Outdoor News, with an outdoor tip. I call it Boots on the Ground. We all know that sometimes you need more boots on the ground to get the job done. Most of the time, though, you need to put your own boots on the ground before you get a hunting job done or before you spend a long day at the shooting range. Your dogs will be howling like a black and tan hound that has treed a family of enormous raccoons if you do not make the effort to break down those boots. Granted, some boots don't need much breaking in, like the Black Hawk Light Assault tactical boots that I've worn. They're perfect for shooting or light hunting. Unfortunately, they only come in men's sizes, so we gals with the big feet usually can wear them. For the rest of us, too bad. Last spring, I could not get my feet into a pair of Danner Pronghorn GTXs before my turkey hunt in Oklahoma, so I purchased a pair of Danner Desert TFX Women's Rough Out Hot Military Boots. 
They're not hot because they look good. Well, they do look good. They're the hot version because these are the boots our sisters in arms are wearing in Iraq and Afghanistan. After all, if these boots are all right for our sisters in combat to wear, well, they're going to do just fine in the woods or desert here. They cost somewhere around $140. Not bad for a pair of boots. And you can get them in an insulated version, too. However, if you need to break in a pair of boots, like Danner's Pronghorn All-Leather GTXs, then you might try this technique, courtesy of my husband's days in the military. Soak your boots in warm water. Warm water. Now, I'm not talking about a little dabble do you here. Soak them like your grandma soaked you when you were a kid after playing all day long and making mud pies. You know what I'm talking about here. Inside and out, get a good soak going on those boots and then put them on your feet, lace them up, and wear them all day long. Pop them on a boot dryer at night and voila, the next day, your boots will fit like a well-tailored glove. And your dogs will be thanking you. And also, be good to your dogs and buy a special pair of insoles for hunting or hiking in those boots. Like Superfeet. Just Google Superfeet and find a place where you can get free shipping because it's going to cost you about 30 to 40 bucks for these babies, but they're worth it. Most boot makers skimp on insoles because A, they don't know your feet, and B, they figure you'll buy a good pair of insoles if you're serious about your feet anyway. So get serious about your feet. Put your boots on the ground before you activate them into your next line of duty. And check out other gear tips at womensoutdoornews.com. This is Barbara Baird, Urban Shooter Correspondent. My boots are on the ground. All right. Thank you, Barbara. And you can check out those links on urbanshooterpodcast.com.
Settle for less than ESS iPro. Advanced eye protection systems for military, law enforcement, and fire rescue professionals. Protect your eyes and look good doing it. Designed to take on the planet's most hostile and unforgiving environments, featuring cutting edge technologies, patented innovations for peak performance, and uncompromised eye safety. ESSIPro.com. Tell them Ken Blanchard sent you. ESSIPro.com Last week on Zombie Strike. We were in two spots. We were back in Skull Island and also in D.C. But first, back on Skull Island, things were they're getting, they're getting kind of hectic as the survivors of the sabotage prepare for the oncoming attack of every zombie on the island. What made them come now? Why are they all converging on the headquarters of Zombie Strike? Will our heroes survive the crush? I don't have a friggin' clue. I'm right here with you. Tripping every week. Oh, and we find out that Slim and Sport, not their real names, really don't care for each other. Steve is in the command center. Oops, my bad. The Steve is in charge. And back east in D.C., FBI agent Tredegar is driving Mateo, Ken, and Robin madly through the streets of the nation's capital to take Mateo to his daughters that he just found out were in danger of assassination by a man Mateo thought was just some wiener named Ted his ex-wife had picked up. Man, the poop poop be doo is about to hit the large spinning breeze-making machine. And that brings us to this week's episode of Zombie Strike. This is Zombie Strike. Part 43, Skull Island, South Pacific, 25 July 2010, 03-1500 hours local, countdown, one year, three months, six days. Slim and his driver, Michael, bounced back into the zombie strike compound. Michael slid the ATV into the locker where the hunting teams were waiting. They were the last team to return. Slim smiled as he dismounted. It had been a successful operation. None of the teams were lost. And by best estimates, the teams that bought Zombie Strike two or three hours. Frank Pierre, the compound's lead engineer, was putting that time to good use. Outer buildings were being torn down to build a wall surrounding the old hotel. The hard-packed rubble rising into some semblance of a barrier made Slim imagine he was in a PA movie, like Mad Max. He wondered if ever be able to watch The Road Warrior again. Zombie Strike should have had a proper wall surrounding the compound, something 15 feet tall and made of reinforced concrete. It was one of those things everyone knew, but there were always other priorities. Besides, the heavy chain fence kept the odd zombie tangled if it managed to get 
a little too close to the compound, and there was never more than a hundred of the buggers within five miles of the compound anyways. If things got a bit tense, there was always the heavy stuff and the helos. The idea that the compound could be cut off and swarmed never really entered anyone's minds as a possibility, not even Slim's. Sure, it could happen, but so could an earthquake or a nuclear strike. Now he was just hoping they lived through the oncoming siege. Okay, everyone, good work out there, the Steve said to the hunting teams. You bought us time. Security people, Gunny is gathering you by the entrance. Everyone else is to report to Pierre for work. Slim, Sport, I need you, two to come with me. Slim and Sport traded looks. It was unnerving the first time they had heard the Steve refer to himself in the third person. Now it frightened him more that he wasn't. The three men walked through the barricade. The Steve stopped to chat with some of the workers, mostly to give them some encouragement or ask a quick question. Once in the hotel, the Steve ushered the two into an elevator. Slim was surprised when the car began going up. The command center and all of Zombie Strike's facilities were below ground. No one spoke as the elevator zoomed up before stopping at the eighth floor. Slim and Sport fell in behind the Steve as he stormed to Colin's room. The strong breeze slapped the three as they walked into the room. Slim saw the glitter of glass shards littered across the carpet. Then he noticed the sitting room was destroyed. Not the damage of dozens of people lugging footlockers of weapons and ammunition out of the room. This looked like there had been a fight. As Slim examined the room, he noticed Quentin sitting on a bed with a blood-soaked bandage wrapped around his upper arm. Quentin saw the three. He stood up and walked out of the bedroom. Quentin clutched his warhammer in his right hand. Black and gray slime coated the hammer. Slim felt his stomach plunge. Stacy didn't make it, Quentin said in a low rumble. The Steve nodded as if he expected the news. What the bloody hell happened? Sport asked as his eyes wide in astonishment. Gollum came crashing through the window. Quentin answered in a flat, emotionless tone landed on one of the cooks that was helping to drag out the weapons Colin left us. It tore her to pieces. God, I hate those things. Managed to keep it busy while everyone ran, then took it down. It didn't go quietly into the good night. There was very good reasons that Quentin was the team's leader in Gollum Kills. Sport let out a colorful string of curses. So why warn us if he's just going to stab us in the back? Slim asked, thinking about the message Colin had left them. Quentin and Sport looked around uncomfortably, but the Steve pushed the question aside. Does it matter? The Steve said sharply. What matters is Colin's info has been spot on, which brings me back to the two of you. The Steve's evil grin chilled Slim to the bone. He had never seen that look on the Steve's face and hoped he never did again. It looked so horrifically wrong. There's a minion out there, the Steve said, looking out the shattered window. He sent his best killer to cripple us. We're going to repay him with interest. The Steve turned back to his teammates. You three are going to find that minion and kill him. Washington, D.C., 26 July, 2010. 2000 hours local. Countdown. One year, three months, five days. Mateo Cortez jumped out of the FBI cruiser before it stopped. He sprinted through the lobby ignoring the confused and annoyed looks of the hotel staff. He bounded up the three flights of stairs and then dashed into the room his daughters shared. Jess opened the door with a pained expression on her face. 
Mateo gave her a reassuring hug and walked into the room. Billy, the spirit wolf pup that belonged to Jess, padded over to Mateo. Toddling behind the wolf was Mateo's five-year-old daughter, Mercedes. The child's face was streaked with red from crying. Mateo scooped his daughter into his arms and hugged her tight. A second later, Jess was also entwined with them. Mateo felt a weight lifting off of him as he just stood there and hugged his daughters. They were safe. Ken led Special Agent Tredegar and Robin Adams into the room. Billy growled at the Fed and the lawyer, but stopped once Ken introduced them. Sometimes the wolf acted more like a human trapped in a canine body. The two warily smiled at the large animal, neither sure of what to do next. Mr. Cortez, if your ex-wife has been kidnapped by this Ted Roberts, then I am required to notify Metro Police and my agency, Tredegar said. Mateo shot the Fed a deadly look. Tredegar visibly recoiled. Robin Adams stepped next to the agent. Mateo, if you're not going to call the authorities, at least let me bring in M&W security people, Adams suggested delicately. No, we'll handle this in-house, Mateo said tersely. If the police or M&W get involved, they're going to just going to end up dead. The two of you are only here because I just couldn't get rid of you. Adams looked offended, but Tredegar just looked hurt. Mateo didn't care about the lawyer, but Tredegar had stuck his neck out to help Mateo. Mateo glanced over at Ken, who just shook his head. Mateo needed to fix this. Before Mateo could say anything, the unique hunting moans of zombies echoed through the halls outside the room. Everyone froze for an instant. In that instant came the screeching howl of a golem. Billy growled and barked at the door. Jess, go get the special crate, Mateo ordered. The team nodded and sprinted to her room. Miss Adams, Tredegar, I need you to take my daughter into the bathroom and stay there until we come for you. Jess came back into the room lugging a black metal box almost as big as she was. Mateo entered a combination into the digital pad on the top of the box. The pad beeped once, and the sound of mechanical locks clacking opening rang through the room. Mr. Cortez, what are you doing? Tredegar asked, as Mateo lifted the thick lid and slid it to the floor. Well, Special Agent Tredegar, anytime we deploy anywhere, there's a chance everything will go to hell. Mateo lifted a stubby M4 from the metal box. Tredegar and Adams went pale as the three zombie strike members began pulling out weapons and armor from their metal case. This is everything going to hell. This concludes another installment of the narrated story Zombie Strike by Derek Ward. Join us next time for another exciting edition of the ongoing saga. This product is protected by copyright owned by Blanchard Studios, Kenneth Blanchard, and other individuals or entities. Any production, retransmission, republication, or any other use of part or audio found on this site is expressly prohibited unless prior written permission has been granted by Kenneth Blanchard or the appropriate copyright owner. All other rights reserved. All right, this week I want to give you a gun review of the 6-hour P239. It's a uh, 9mm pistol semi-automatic has an eight round magazine and it's a solid a solid pistol doesn't rattle i mean it really feels like a well-made firearm shot it at about the 10 yard line and 15 yard line shot a little paper plate 
didn't have time to grab my target, so I just grabbed a stack of paper plates and ran out the door to the range and uh, used that as my, my target at the range. And it was not too bad, actually. Shot a nice little group. The thing barks, though, man. It's um, 3.6 inches barrel length, so it's small. It's maybe about, if you, you know you put your finger on the, side, on the right side of the gun, off the trigger, I have maybe an inch past my finger, and that's the whole gun. Um, one thing I didn't like too hot was that the back strap, right? Where the webbing of your hand holds it. There was no extra room for my hand. I don't think I have a very big hand, but it was close. I mean, it just, it's like um, if you have a 36 inch waist and you buy a pair of 36 inch pants and there's no room left, that's how I felt. There was no room for slippage. You had to be right on, grab the grip, the right place, the right time, and bam, there you are. No extra. So actually, if I practice with this, it might be the way to go, actually. Because you can get the same grip when you know where your hand's supposed to go. I think this would be a great carry gun. This one has night sights, night tritium sights. And uh, it's just like the other SIGs with the decocker, the magazine release on the side, and the slide release, those three top little levers magazine release is also on the left hand side magazine is looks like regular regular type metal um, it's all black straight out of uh, the Exeter New Hampshire trigger pull the first the double action man that joke is like New York trigger I think it's about 10 and uh, but after you fire it's about 4.4 and I mean it's like a big difference it's pretty nice in that second second go around I thought eight rounds might be a little short but again this could be a good backup so you don't need 15 rounds per se as long as you know how to reload like you're supposed to you can go back in the battery pretty good it shot well the short barrel though made this nine millimeter, nine millimeter bark I mean I had some serious muzzle flip I shot about five different types of ammo through it, and uh, a couple of them were pretty hot loads. They were some Federal Silver Tip, Hydroshock, something, something that I got from somewhere, plus P and flames didn't come out, but the, you know, you could tell you were shooting something hot, and I think that all is because of the small barrel. But if you're going to carry something and you want to carry it concealed, ha, this might be it. It's about the size of a 380, I think. Maybe just a little bit bigger. And I'd rather take this than a 380, personal opinion. Overall length, this thing's about 6.6 inches long. And like I said, when you put my my hand on it, my index finger extended along the side, there's about an inch left. And then boom, there's the, there's the end of the muzzle. But I'm liking it. Except for that feeling, kind of funky feeling that I was too big for the gun. I'll give it an 8.5. I'd carry this firearm, though, for sure. Remember that um, we had the big P229, I think it was, back in the day when we transitioned from uh, revolvers to the SIG back on the office that I was working. And this looks exactly like it, minus the uh, just being a little smaller. Oh, yeah. A lot thinner. That was one of the big issues. We had that was a, that was a fat 
grip man back in the day. What model was that? That's what that was. Back in the day. But six hour when it counts. I'm loving it. Even though the wife is going to claim this pistol, and I'll probably never see it again. I'm going to shoot it until she, uh, until she asks for it. Six hour is a unique um, handgun in itself because it kind of gives you the best of both worlds. If you've never shot a semi-automatic um, pistol before and you're used to revolvers, this is a good transition because you have actually a hammer that you can see. And after your hammer is uh, actuated and you got it locked, instead of using the trigger to ease that hammer back, they have a decocker de switch right in the middle of the two levers that's on the side. And that decocks the trigger for you. It's an interesting thing. Really good for law enforcement, for folks who need that little bit. And everything can be fixed in training. It doesn't matter how you or what firearm you get, as long as you train on what you carry. So that's the P239 from Six Hour out of New Hampshire. And it's a good gun. Price point, I've seen it at the uh, the range where I was practicing. Went for about $750, which hurt me because that's a lot of money these days but much much thanks to SIG for letting me check that out try to put a picture on episode 183 and let you know how it turned out but it shoots good and I like it and uh, if you have any questions for me feel free to send them and I will answer them as best I can thanks thank all my new listeners to the Urban Shooter Show and uh, all those who have been with me for the last couple of months. It's been a heck of a time, huh? Thank you for all your input on blackmanwithagun.info That's our forums. Thanks for the input on the Gun Rights Radio Network's forum. Thank you for your comments and make me laugh on my Facebook page. That's a real tight family we got there. However you find me, whether it be on my email address, blackmanwithagun at gmail.com or ken at urbanshooterpodcast.com, it's just great to communicate with you. Big shout out to Crossbreed Holsters. Uh, can't say enough about that company and the people that run it. My brothers. Great family. Thanks to federalpremium.com. Hollywoodsportclays.com. That's a music used by uh, my piano teacher and her group, Harp 46. They played Another Day. I used that twice on the show. Most of the music is coming from uh, Podsafe Music, musician by the name of Psycho Soul. And got a quick announcement. If you're around the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area on October 30th, I'm going to give you a, a pre-advertisement. October 30th, right before Halloween, October 30th, 2010, 11 a.m. to about 1, we're going to have a live shooting of the Urban Shooter Show, and it's going to be a roast and a comedy event, and all the stuff that you hear is going to be live, and we're going to record it, I hope, um, on video, and it'll probably be like episode 200, but it's going to be special. I'm going to try to get some special guests and 
a whole bunch of stuff in there and uh, it's going to be huge unfortunately it's going to cost me to rent this uh, auditorium out so the tickets are going to be $30 in advance and $40 at the door but uh, if you're interested send me a note and um, I'll get the ticket printed out and back at you real quick October 30th 2010 we're going to do a live event for the Urban Shooter Podcast it's going to be off the chain if you can make it make sure there's even a hotel nearby it's in Annandale, Virginia it's going to be at an auditorium uh, it's going to be huge I'm telling you you're going to it's going to be a must must have must been you had to be there to see all the stuff because yeah, the video is going to be edited out make it shorter but it's going to be a hoot I can tell you that right now Hopefully, if you're going through something, I gave you some stuff to think about. Because life is not a spectator sport. You know, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself for a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. That's the listeners of the Urban Shooter Podcast, and I'm so glad that you're on this ride with me. Proverbs 9.6 says, Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. Until next week, Shalom, baby. Urban Shooter, the pro-gun variety show. Ken Blanchard, showing you how to blow. For loving, responsible people, ready to go. Part of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Podcasting freedom. Gunrightsradio.com.